It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Jake from the Total Screamers podcast. The Premier League's in full swing, and that means it's time to throw on your club shirt and make sure you don't take a nasty tackle below the waist. Our partners at Manscaped are here so you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs with the code SCREAMERS20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping on your order. That's SCREAMERS20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping on your order. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Total Streamers podcast. Today we have an end of season review for Aston Villa. We will be going through every Premier League club individually. So if you you haven't already, then do get in touch. We may just have you on for your club. But today, Aston Villa, we've got a star-studded lineup. First off, we've got Richard from the Villa Park podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Great to be Pleasure. with such esteemed guests on the uh, <laughs> on this podcast. We've also got Luke, aka I Lucas, from YouTube and Twitch. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thank you again for uh, for having me on. Pleasure to be here with you, boys. Some familiar faces. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the boy Max from Villa on tour. How about how are you doing, mate? Yeah, really good. Thank you, Billy, mate. Pleasure to be on. Uh, looking forward to chatting all things Villa. Pleasure to have you, mate. And last, but certainly not least, sorry, get my words out. We have Neil from For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, which is an exceptional name. But how are you, mate? <laughs> oh, good. Greetings here from Ireland. It's, uh, yeah, I wish, the we- I wish we were having weather like you guys uh, are, like you guys <laughs> over in the UK, but it's uh, it's typical Irish weather here. But apart from that, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on, mate. So we'll start off. The first question we've got is, what are your feelings on Villa's season as a whole? Personally, 
I was quite happy with an 11th place finish if you'd have asked me at the beginning of the season. As the season went on, if you'd have asked me 10 games in, I'd have been very happy with a 6th place finish and disappointed with an 11th place finish. But we'll come to you first, Richard. What are your thoughts on the season as a whole? Um, I, th- I think I think you have to say it's been a very, very good season. Um, it's interesting. I, I mentioned this on another podcast yesterday. And, uh, you know, if, if you'd have asked me after 36 games where we were before those last two wins, I'd have probably said it's been a frustrating and a, quite a disappointing one. But following those two wins at the end of the season and, and the momentum that's given us, you know, it it, it has to be a, a very good season, you know, finishing 20 points ahead of where we did the previous season, mm. um, you know, 55 points in in an ordinary Premier League season, that would have got us, you know, somewhere near the top eight, possibly even challenging for Europe. So it has to be a very good season, tinged with some frustration, like you said there, you know, after the, such a great start, Jack getting injured, losing some of those games, you know, the Burnleys, Crystal Palace, Brighton, Sheffield United, but you know that's that's that is slightly frustrating. But overall, it has to has to be down as a, as a very good season and, and one that we can kick on from. Yeah, I completely agree, Luke. What about you, mate? Yeah, to be fair, I agree with what Richard said. To be honest, uh, I mean, when you scrape survival, you know, you, you dread the next season. You think, shit, what's going to happen next? And like, is, are we going to go down? But no, we did well in the summer recruiting and. Uh, you know, we've had a good season. It, when we finished the season, I was just like, if we did have, I think it was 12 games, Jack missed. That's mm. almost a third of the season. Like, yeah. when you put that into perspective, that's a lot of the season, a third. Mm. If he was playing in those games, starting fully fit, where could we have finished? Because yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that he starts against Chelsea and we win. He starts against Spurs and we win as well. I don't think it's a coincidence Not at, at all. all. I think the thing Grealish brings you as well is he makes the defenders like threatened of him. Like you saw it against Spurs and you saw it against Chelsea as well when he came back. They were just nervous to go up against him one on one. Or he's he's just such a good player like that, isn't he? And with the fouls that he brings as well. And when you replace him with, I I do like Amwar El Ghazi, but he's not Jack Grealish, is nah. he? At the end of the day. Nah. <laughs> But um, Max, what about you? What were your thoughts on the season as a whole? Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Look, we came 17th last year. Everyone talks about progression and that's what we've seen. We've seen progression. 20 points is is mental for a team that came 17th to get 20 more points um, in the following season. It's really good. And a lot of that does have to go down to the recruitment. Um, last summer, it was really good. I think the goalkeeper, we can all agree, has been our standout player this season. Um, Martinez has kept us in a lot of games, saved us a lot of points. Um, what Luke said about Grealish as well, obviously that was absolutely massive where could we have been with him no doubt it would have been higher than 11th but look it's been a great season there's been no fans there so are we too bothered that we didn't quite get Europe not not really look we'll go again next year we'll recruit again a lot of talk about um, us spending a lot of money we'll go again next year and no doubt we'll progress from this season and we'll definitely be pushing for these European places I think that's a really good point that you mentioned about Martinez as well there he's such a such a good goalkeeper but it was the whole defence as well as a whole. I think, I mean, Mings <laughs> had a bit of a dodgy spell when he kept on making a few mistakes. But after kind of that mistake against Man City, he kind of cut them out really. And for the last part of the season, he was 
the rock that we've always known. And I think the guy next to him, and you're probably thinking, I'm going to mention Esri Konza, but Matt Target, he was just Mm -hmm. incredible again and completely changed my opinion on him, really. I, I didn't really have any problems with him, but it was an area that we could have improved if we look back on last season. But this season, he's just been outstanding, hasn't he? Yeah. What are your thoughts, Neil? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's my biggest takeaway from this season is 20 extra points is fantastic. Beating top six teams, you know, getting the double over Arsenal, uh, beating Klopp in the manner that we did in his Liverpool team at that stage. We broke Liverpool for a good portion of this season, you know, um, getting two wins against Spurs, Chelsea, uh, beating Leicester. You know, they were all fantastic wins and they were great highlights of the season. But I think the best thing for me that we're going to take out of this season is the progression of the players. And as you mentioned, Matt Target, the Matt Targets of this world, the Esri Kansas, Esri Kansas, like people were ringing up. I I, I know I, I, I don't usually listen to TalkSport. I turned it on yesterday and people rang up and they were going, it's a disgrace that X, Y and Z player weren't in there. People were mentioning the likes of Kanza. You know, this is coming from a team that finished 17th in the, you know, last year. Then you look, you look up through the rest of the field as well and players that, you know, we would have relied on the likes of John McGinn's and things like that. They were able to kind of, I'm not going to say slink back into the shadows, but they were, we were less reliant on them for certain parts of the season as well. But I, I think that's what it was. We developed an identity and through developing the identity of play this year. Um, and that was, you know, about a pro and a con for Dean Smith throw to go out of this year. But developing that identity was very, was very important because it allowed Matt targets of this world to progress. The Ezri Kanzas, Matty Cash to hit the ground running, never played in the Premier League before. People were doubting whether he was going to be a right back at this high level, considering, you know, he had just stepped in there in the championship the year before. And, and things came together very much so, obviously working around the fulcrum of Jack Grealish up front. And then what can we say about, you know, tr- you got to trust the guys in the brain trust that are making making transfer decisions because we got uh you know we got a goal scorer and Ali Watkins up there not just a goal scorer but somebody who roll up his sleeves and literally do whatever he's asked to do the nucleus and and the the, the bones the the template is there for this team because, as I say, and I've said this is my fourth time saying it, because it has an identity now to be able to introduce and inject flair, to inject doggedness into this team. But now we know how to play. And even though teams know how we how we play, they still find it, find it tough to stop us as the end of the season uh, goes on to show. Yeah, I completely agree. And one thing you mentioned there was the progression of the players after having that first season back in the Premier League. And I think for the likes of um, Traore and and El Ghazi as well, to a certain extent, um, this season, he's obviously had more game time. Traore, it was his first season back after coming from Chelsea, after his previous spell at Chelsea. And personally, I really like Traore. I think he's a fantastic player and it's just the inconsistency really that kind of lets him down a bit. And I think next season, that's certainly something that we can build on. Um, Hopefully with Jack Grealish in the side though. Um, But if Jack Grealish does leave, where do you think that would leave us? I'll go to you, uh, Richard. Go back to you. What a question. Um, (laughs) I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about one of the, in my opinion, the top two or three players in the Premier League. So 
you know, we, we've already talked about the difference that he made when he when he was missing for twelve games. So to to miss him for the full season, and, and Neil's mentioned there, you know, the identity that we've now created, and he's he's a major, major, major part of that. So yes, you talk about getting a hundred or hundred and twenty million or whatever it is that you know for selling him. It would be it would be nigh on impossible to replace him as a player. You you we would have to kind of we'd have to think of other ways of of playing. Maybe you know one or two other players to come in to to fill that void as as best that they could. The only the only sort of example I can think of is is Bale, when Bale left Tottenham for that money and they signed five or six players to try and replace him, and it, it was never quite the same. Obviously, because of what a player he is. You know, the good thing is we've got players like Watkins, we've got um, players like McGinn, um, you've mentioned El Ghazi and Traore benefiting from more experience in the Premier League. If you could if you could complement that with someone like a Buendia, for example, or, mm. you know, one or two other players, um, you know, th- th- that that might might help to fill the void. But it, it would be it would be so so difficult to replace him. I, I wouldn't like to say how we would do it to be to be honest. <laughs> and I think as you say there, I don't think we can do it to be honest with you. The only thing I would say is like you mentioned though, we would have to completely change our identity and brand of football, if you like. But do you think after this season and after the 12 games that Grealish had out, do you think we've got any regrets for not changing the way we played and just kind of doing like a like-to-like swap with El Ghazi and th- hoping that he would try and copy Jack Grealish in a way? Um, potentially, I think there were certain games where, you know, you look at that Sheffield United game, um, where you know it was potential there, where Davis could have been used a little bit more, and he could have maybe experimented with that two up top. You know, someone to hold the ball up and bring other players into into play. You know, rather than you know playing those wide men. And 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 you've seen in the last two games when Grealish, I know he was all albeit more down the left when he was playing, but when he was in that central area, how many players he attracts to him when he got the ball, and that allowed then you know, McGinn to have so much more space, all of a sudden, Al Ghazi and Traore are getting brought into the game. You know, if he was to maybe play like a holding, a hold-up player up front in a Keenan Davis, that might have, obviously it's not Grealish, but it might have helped Mm. to get more of the ball to the wider players where we, I felt sometimes in that central area, we were were slightly overrun at times when we were trying to just play that like-for-like game. But yeah, I mean, I can understand why Smith does it because, again, we talk about identity. That that is the system that we play, and that is the formation that we play. And sometimes you just have to you just have to tell the players to take the responsibility on themselves, and and it's up to them. You know, Jack, it wasn't playing, and it was up to them to to step up and and step up to the mark. So, you know, some of it, some of those games that we lost were, were ultimately down to them not performing and hopefully they've learned from that experience because there are, there is going to be times next season when Jack won't be playing and they will have to step up. Yeah. I mean, you would like to think so. Um, Max, I wanted to come to you. Do you think we've got any regrets? I say the word regrets. Do you think we should have changed to, to up top every now and then? Because although obviously Wesley was out, we still had Keenan Davis in my eyes. I think he's, 
although he's not there to score the goals all that often, he is uh, he's a handful for the defenders, isn't he? He gives them something else to think about. Yeah, definitely something that I've banged the drum about playing to up top. Just not, not consistently, but just give it a try at some point. I can't remember many times this season, definitely not from minute zero, Dino starting with two up top, that's for sure. Obviously, I'm a massive fan of him. I trust him in everything that he does. He watches the players every day, but he's he's very, you know, he likes his 4-3-3 and I respect that. But, you know, when you're chasing a game, nothing seems to really change sometimes, especially when we lack that creativity of Grealish. And, you know, even just before Grealish got injured, like Brighton away when we drew nil-nil, um, a couple of games around then, West Ham, I think, you know, games around then. We even lacked it then. We lacked creativity then. And we looked a little bit confused about how to sort of change that. Um, so that's definitely something we need to think about going into the next season. We've already seen the links with Wendia. Look, Dino wants to get more creative players in. And I'm all for that. Not just because Jack Grealish might leave. I don't think he will for one minute. But even with Jack, you need more creative players around him like a Buendia, things like that. And I think it benefits those players as well. We've seen how well Ollie Watkins has done with the creativity that he's got around him in Jack Grealish. So it's definitely something to, something to think about, um, something for Dino to think about. You know, he needs to maybe become a little bit more tactically astute when we are behind because... There's stats flying around. We don't get back into games um, when we are behind. So that's definitely something to think about and something we need to work on going into next year for sure. Yeah. Um, Luke, staying on the striker theme, obviously we've been very heavily linked with Tammy Abraham. Chelsea uh, wanting £40 for him. Do you think he's someone that we should... Go and get, and if so, do you think how much do you think we should be spending on him? Like, go back to the four four two. Obviously, it was only dabbled with a couple of times, probably not enough, as Max said. If we sign Tammy Abraham, we know he's a spearhead striker from his loan spell at Villa. We know that. What would happen to Watkins then if we stick with the same system? You know, Jack out wide. Would we move Watkins out to the right? Would that be more effective? I think it would change, like. I don't know, the comfortableness of the team, maybe, if we do that, if we move Watkins out wide, but it could be all right. But uh, in terms of price, 40 mil, I think that's a lot I do personally. Mm. Like, I'd I'd say 25 to 30 mil as a max, I think will be an okay price to pay for him. But yeah, I I just think, unless we are going to really try to up front and try get them two working together, then I don't know. I'm I'm more swaying yeah. towards not signing him, to be honest, and just getting him more creative players again to take the pressure off Jack, to, to have other avenues of creativity and effectiveness going forward. Mm-hmm. I think that should that should be where the money's going. And and as as we've all heard, Buendia might be on his way. He might not be. But we're out there, we're putting uh, names are co- potentially coming in. So hopefully hopefully something happens. But for me, not Tammy, for me personally. <laughs> Yeah, I I completely agree. To be honest with you, I think for as you say, forty millions a hell of a lot of money that could be spent in other positions. As for those other positions, where do you think we should invest, Neil? I want a six foot four, six foot four wide defensive midfielder and park him on the middle of that D. Anybody who listens to my <laughs> podcast will understand. I know I love Douglas Louise that he's able to protect that protect that area there but I just want uh, I, I'd like I, I, I'm not saying we replace him but I think we need mm-hmm. another option because I think Douglas Louise is, is is very very important to this team so 
uh, and I'm going to go back to a question that you asked, and the reason I'm going to go back is to explain why I, why I think this is a pivotal position for us. Because um, when Dean Smith didn't change it to a four-four-two or didn't change his his formation when Grealish was out of the team, what happened was he changed the spacing between the midfielders. Ross Barkley wasn't firing; he was bringing him a bit deeper, which was for me. I don't give out with Dean Smith at all. I've actually on the back of my T-shirt here. It actually says Smith in. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't, but you know what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's uh, you know I really really like him. I think he's the long dog. He's the he's the dog for the long road. To be honest with you, but the one thing that annoyed me was that while he tried to rotate Ross Barkley around the place, we just didn't get things going. And what it did was it knocked our midfield three out of kilter completely. We became so 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 passive, and that's the one that was the one area where we couldn't change gears up until the last game of the season when we saw McGinn have a bit more of a free run. And that was because Jack Grealish came in there. So it allowed us to, to, to have a bit more spacing. We brought in Nakamba a couple of times and it was a great stat where we hadn't conceded with Nakamba and the team for so many games, but then we started to concede and we, like Nakamba is, Nakamba has been fine, but you couldn't really play Nakamba and Douglas Luiz together in that, in those holding roles. The way that Dean Smith sets it up is you need a 10, a six and eight. And that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So for my money, I would really love to see us to get a big destroyer that can come in there and that can literally just, um, be a nuisance, be a presence, be an imposing um, an imposing individual there. And then conversely as well, I think we do need, and we've, you guys have spoken about Buendia, um, whether it is Buendia, whether it's not, I think that we do need somebody who can slot into that number 10 position up uh, at the top of that mm-hmm. midfield. Um, because realistically speaking, whether we get a new striker or whether we get a new, a new winger, they're not going to replace Ali Watkins, they're not going to replace Jack Grealish, but the person that slots in there into that number 10 role gives us flexibility to play Grealish left or to bring in, bring on El Ghazi, play him left because he had a decent end to the season, push Grealish inside. So while we have seen an awful lot of Buendia uh, being mentioned and being being courted by Emmy Martinez, nearly every photo on his <laughs> social media over the last 48 hours has been Buendia. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't get that big, massive money, high name signing in there. Maybe we signed somebody who was a bit more of a creative force, but not for all that money. And uh, and we kind of spread the money throughout the course of the team because I think what really what really caught us at, after the COVID outbreak, especially, was the depth in the squad and having similar players and and having players that can fit into this to this to this template or this methodology that Dean Smith has, I think is going to be really important. Don't get me wrong. I'd absolutely kill for Buendia and I'd kill for, for uh, you know, to spend all the money in the world. Um, but I suppose realistically speaking, I'm not sure whether it will happen with regards to Tammy up front. I'm not sure whether that will happen either. I just think that having two massive name strikers or two big strikers that are not only fighting for their, their game at Villa, but also fighting for a position in the English setup, um, potentially. I don't know whether Villa are going to go down that route, but what do I know? You know, I'm just a gob and a stick that talks into a microphone here in Ireland. But I, you know, to answer your question directly, uh, I think defensive midfielder and having that big bruiser in there, they can come in and grab the game by the scuff of the neck and be an enforcer. I think that's going to be really important to what Dean Smith wants to do next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree that we need a proper big defensive midfielder, as you say. I know Sander Berg's name's been flying around a bit, fair bit, mm-hmm. but where? Do you think that would leave Nakamba? Because 
in all fairness, I've been <laughs> I've been caught calling him a liability a few times after that, especially after that mistake against Spurs, and then him going on and having an incredible game. <laughs> but where where do you think that would leave him? Because obviously, going off those last two games, he is a very good defensive midfielder. Just just think he'd be the squad player kind of thing. I don't see, I don't I don't see there's no problem with that to be honest and like for example go to a different like if you look at Manchester United's left back situation they brought in their yeah. Teles left back and it really brought out the best in Shaw so if we brought in a CDM that can challenge Nakamba for that spot maybe we could see a better Nakamba and even better Nakamba than he was in the last couple of games yeah. sort of thing that we've seen him so it's not always about it doesn't always necessarily mean that because we brought someone in boom that's the end for that person yeah. do you know what I mean that yeah, yeah. realistically that other person now needs to like you know step up and show what they can do sort yeah. of thing so just like you know Luke Shaw did in that left back spot so well what could happen is if we brought in that big central midfielder so like the there's only so many chairs that we can fill as well like we've also got Carney coming up he's going to play uh, uh, he's going to play something next year. You know, he's go- he's going to be uh, in and around there. Obviously, Dean Smith loves Jacob Ramsey. I think that you know, I mentioned that the two of those positions, the the six and the ten, are very important. But potentially, we only get one because there aren't enough seats there. You know, there aren't enough chairs there. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that maybe they might see Carney as being that ten and rotating with Jack Grealish up there, or even as I said, bring in. Maybe not the big name player, but rotate between Carney and another who does come in. And even if we do bring in that central, that defensive midfielder, it allows us to, you know, rotate McGinn, get and, and Louise. Mm-hmm. So keep that midfield fresh. You know, it's more so about the system than it is about the players in the system. I, for me, I think with, with within Dean Smith, with Dean Smith's Arsenal, because even when he was with Brentford, a lot of things like that happened. There was turnover of players. There was, uh, you know, they had a director of football. People were brought in to fit the system. I think we're seeing a setup very, very similar to that. But um, it's going to be interesting. It's the most interesting part of the field, I think, for Aston Villa this yeah. year, this this off season, is going to be what happens in that midfield three and potentially one wing player then to come in as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Neil there with a with a strong defensive midfielder, and and we're forgetting we've got we you know we signed Morgan Sanson in the in the yes, January window as well. So he you know so we've got we've we've got another option there, but it's Maybe it's we don't what, need anyone. Yeah, exactly. You never know. You never know. But it's options, isn't it? It gives Smith options, yeah. and we we've talked on this episode, and we've talked across our own podcast over the last year about you know certain games where. If Smith had have had the options in his squad or on his bench, he would have been able to to change his team to map, you know, to go against whoever he was playing against, rather than mm-hmm. feeling like he was forced to play like a McGinn every week or Louise every week, and and sometimes trying to put square pegs in round holes. So, you know, just having those options and those different player profiles will will help us no end next season. I, I, I'm I'm sure. Am I yeah. right in saying, guys, there's the 6th of June that Man City have to enact the buyback clause on Douglas Luiz? Because that, that, that could, that could change absolutely everything. Yeah. You know, that mm. could be, I think, I think I heard it was the 6th of June. Could be completely wildly yeah. wrong on that it's, one. It's a, I know it's around there, some point mm. around there. I don't know the exact day off the top of my head, to be honest, but. Yeah, as you say, some, that could be something that completely changes the outlook that we have on the the Aston Villa midfield. And one thing that you mentioned there that I found really interesting is obviously the options. And I think 
as as a team like Aston Villa, having those options like you see Man City do. Now, I'm not comparing us to Man City by any stretch of the imagination, but you also look at teams like Leicester, who not only have got an incredible uh, team, but they've got an incredible squad as well. One player gets injured and they can bring another one just as good in, which mm. I think is certainly something that we need to do. Um, but going back to the wingers, we've obviously been linked with Buendia. We're also being linked with Dwight McNeil as well, who I personally really like. I think he's a bit restricted in this Burnley team and the way that Sean Dyche wants him to play. And I think give him a bit of freedom and he will be a very good player. But what are your thoughts on that uh, rumour, Max? Yeah, look, I think he's a decent player. Any player that plays in the Burnley system, you're never really going to know what they're going to be like in maybe a more fluid system like like a Dean Smith system. So, look, it's a, it's a decent option to have. He's still very young, isn't he? Scored a couple of really good goals this year. But yeah, he's a decent option to have. And I definitely think that we can all agree that the midfield is somewhere that we need to prioritise this summer because we've already reeled off all the names that we've got there. There's a lot of options there, but we're yeah. still sort of struggling because that has been the main issue this year. I think you look at the wingers, yes, we need more creativity, but at the end of the day, El Ghazi's got double figures this season. Um, Troy in his first year, has got seven or eight. So, look, they get a lot of stick, but at the end of the day, they give you what you know we paid the big money for. They give you goals, they give you assists. So, look, I think McNeil, Buendia, we probably won't get both of them. I'll, I'll definitely take one of them for sure. But, look, I think in the summer, midfield is, is where we've got to prioritise because you're losing that that number 10 in Ross Barkley, yes, he wasn't as effective as we maybe would have hoped towards the end of the season, but you're missing out on that option of having a decent number 10. Um, and yeah, with the whole six and eight situation, McGinn needs more freedom. So we need a defensive midfielder. Is Louise that man? Probably not. I still don't really know what sort of player he is and he's been here a few years now. So it's a difficult one for him. He maybe needs to step up his game like he did after lockdown when we came back and just survived. He was brilliant in that sort of 10 game spell. So there's a lot to think about this year in terms of signings. I think um, we've talked about going into the European market. That's been uh, banded around on social media and stuff. So a lot to think about. Wingers and midfielders, uh, for me, is where we've got to prioritise. Yeah, I completely agree. But getting off the transfer topic, no fans in the stadium last year, other than the last two games, of course. How big of an impact do you think that had on our overall season? And do you think, obviously, it would have had a massive impact the first few games after just staying up on the last day, Villa Park would have been bouncing. And I still think that we could have got off to a very good start. Whether we'd have beat Liverpool 7-2 with the fans in, I think they may have reacted and kind of booked their ideas up a little bit. But... It could also have had the reverse effect. I was speaking to my dad yesterday and when we went on that run of 12 games without Grealish and we weren't playing particularly great football, as as we mentioned before the pod, Richard, every fan's got a little bit of fickle in them. Do you reckon that could have come out and we could have been hearing boos and maybe a lot more of the Dean Smith out brigade? Uh, you know, if you go by Twitter, then then hundred percent yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a difficult one because I feel I feel like a lot of the games across the board, you know, with with regards to no fans, there were very much very much like training games in terms of you know that the, the teams had their set way of playing and they were specifically 
you know, they didn't have the pressure of the fans to push them to kind of go outside of that box a lot of the time. And, and the periods of, of momentum were different in it. You know, a lot of the time a midfielder would get the ball and rather than, or a fullback would get the ball and rather than drive forward, if the fans were telling them to do it, they would, they would kind of reset and just play and play the ball across the back and reset for their moves. So I kind of feel like in, in a lot of ways, the fans would have, would have helped and made that more exciting and made players take more risks. But at the same point, you're exactly right. You know, when a team would have been going on a bad run, like Villa were, you know, there would have, there, I'm sure there would have been some boos and there would have been some pressure put on the players. So, you know, certain games, I, I think it's, it's benefited the players not having the fans there at times, but, you know, you, you only had to see the Chelsea game, you know, where 10,000 fans were there. And I know, Max, you were there, mate. And, um, you know, the play, the fans stuck with the players all the way through. And and, and I'm sure that we may have had a massive contribution to them, get to Villa getting the results. So, you know, it, I, it, I'm going to sit slightly on the fence here. <laughs> you, know, I can't, you know, in some ways it would that would have really helped as shown by the Chelsea game. But as we all know, you know, when, when the pressure would have been on in terms of not, not good form, I think... I think that would have potentially been a real hindrance on and it's it's going to be really interesting when when fans are back next season you know yeah. to see how much of an impact it's going to have yeah I completely agree and of course the uh season tickets have been put on sale for next season I don't know about you guys but although I live in Spain I've just renewed mine <laughs> so uh but Luke what do you think about the uh fans being back in stadiums next season and the effect that it's had on Villa last season no I'm all for it man like I mean the standout game fans in Villa Park in the Prem was obviously the Everton game <clears throat> and uh but you know obviously Covid hit we lost that, you know, that, that you know, being able to go to Villa Park and stuff. But look, I, I agree with what Richard said. There is there is negatives, there is positives to it. But I think at the end of the day, I don't think there's a better stand, a better stadium than the Holton and Villa Park to G up a team. When we have them dead patches in the game where we're just not playing good football, as we said, instead of going on that driving run from a fullback position, from any position on the pitch, we're just looking to reset and try a different avenue rather than being proactive and offensive. Like... I really do think we would have made a big difference in that situation. But mm. on the same side, there is fickle fans that there would have been a lot of booing when, you know, like, for example, the Brighton game at home, there would have been a lot of booing for that one, losing that one and stuff. And obviously the Burnley game as well with the nil-nil at Villa Park. Was it, it was nil-nil, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I was questioning myself. Here, but <laughs> you, you know, like fans, they play a big part in football. It goes without saying for both, for both negative and positive reasoning so yeah mm. look I just can't wait to get back down here. I want I want a <laughs> pie I, I want a, I want a pie I, I want that walk down man I just ah, oh, gosh you, you know that oh, queue yeah. afterwards at the train station bro I'll, I'll wait in that now bro come on I'll, I'll wait in that now like I'll happily you know after the game I used to be like oh damn I've got to wait in this queue now to get the train back to Longbridge man I'm like yo I'll do that twice I'll do that twice in one night bro that's how much I just want to get back down there in the whole tent and just watch my team, enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the match day. You know, there is nothing better than a match day for a fan. For any club, absolutely any club. Yeah, I completely agree. The one game, you mentioned the Everton game, the one game that sticks out in my mind last season is the, not the season just gone, our first season back, just to be clear, um, was the uh, Watford at home that cons a goal in the last minute. Mm -hmm. I just don't think with fans 
in I think without fans, I think we'd have just lost that game because it was the Douglas Louise scoring the first goal and then the atmosphere that it caused and then we was on the front foot and then getting that second goal. I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't there, but watching on the TV, me and my dad just went mental watching it. But, yeah, what are your thoughts, Max? Obviously, you were there for the uh, game against Chelsea. Very lucky boy indeed. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? When you're there, you can appreciate how much of an impact fans have on a game because I think going back to that Chelsea game, um, Chelsea were brilliant for the first sort of 15, 20, 25 minutes. And I don't think, you know, if fans were there, if fans weren't there, would we have got the reaction that we saw from Villa, you know, scoring just before half time? Would we have seen that if fans weren't there? Probably not, because going back to the whole horrible New Year spell where we were really, really turgid, seeing the same sort of horrid performances week in, week out, you're still going into a match day. No one, there was no buzz there because we always knew we were, what we were going to see. And that's what you go to the football for. You go because you don't know what's going to happen. The fans can have that much of an impact that you don't know what's going to happen. So just based off that one game against Chelsea, you can see that the fans have a massive impact on what happens on the pitch. Um, You've seen it from various interviews that the players have done. I think Jack came out today, he was doing an interview in England saying he didn't realise how much of an impact 10,000 fans would have. So when we get 40,000 plus, hopefully back in the new season, it's it's going to be unbelievable. And hopefully um, we can play our own part in, in, in a European push. Yeah. Well, let's hope so anyway. I think with the potential recruitment made this summer, I certainly think that we could be pushing for Europe next season with or without fans in the stadium. But yeah, the, as as you said, Luke, having 40,000 back in the stadium and just, just wanting to go down to yeah. Villa Park, it's, it's, it's crazy, just a feeling of... You take it for oh, granted, don't yeah. you? Like, you know, really you, you know every yeah. other week we were down there, especially in the championship, it was, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, like then Saturday, and like... You just took it for granted, man. And then as soon as COVID hit and you were everyone was stuck in their houses, no football, you just really think like, damn, what I would do now to get back down Villa Park and watch the boys, you know? Yeah. But anyway, hopefully fans are back and back for good as well. So just before we go, I wanted to get your predictions for next season. I'll start with you, Neil. Where do you think we'll be next season? Oh... Where do I think we'll be? Um, I think we progress again next season. I think it's very difficult to, to pinpoint an exact position in the league. Uh, top half would be great. Uh, I think if we were to finish somewhere like eighth or ninth, I know it's only a it's only a modest improvement in position from where we are. If we're to finish in the in the European positions, absolutely. But uh, I ju- I just really want to see progression again. I want to see this build. Um, I'm not like I'm not. Then again, last season I would have said, "Give me 14 position and and 39 points," and I would have ripped your hand off off for. Yeah. But it's 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 going to be a difficult one next season. Uh, the Premier League is going to be a different different beast next season. I think you know there's so much to be written with it. I w- if you were to have told me that I when I woke up this morning that Ancelotti wasn't going to be the manager of Everton, <laughs> I would have laughed in your face, you know, yeah. because I would have said, listen, there's unfinished business there, but now he goes on to Real Madrid and who knows what's going to happen, you know. Um, but for me, I think that we do progress. I think we're in a good position whereby um, 
we have been safe within the league this year. So we've been able to get a jump start on transfers. And I think, I think we'll see transfers come in very, very early and give us a better feeling for where our squad is going to be and where we can finish. I think. I don't see any reason why we can't get crashed the you know the seventh position in the league and get into the new Europa Conference. I know it's a silly sounding competition, but I don't see any reason why we can't do that. But then again, you know, um, the the world is our oyster, really, where we can do. I think we see better progression in the in the cups. I think probably more mm. so than than we see in in the league. And um, I just kind of want a, a kind of an all round improvement, uh, get further in the cup. I'd love to win an FA Cup. Yeah. It's just wow. like, I, I think I speak probably for everybody here. It's, yeah. it's one of the few things that's within, within the grasp of this club. I think regardless of whatever year we, we, we start off in the FA Cup, as long as we don't draw United in the third round, like we seem to always <laughs> do. Um, but as long as we don't do that, I think an FA Cup would be absolutely fantastic. But league wise, yeah. I, I don't I don't think we break into the top six next year, and that's not being defeatist. That it is trying to be is uh, keep my feet in the ground, but uh, I think we can give it a good rattle. And if we continue to beat the top six teams like we did this year, and with the same frequency as we did this year, you know anything could happen. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the one thing that I want next season is a proper good cup run. Give it a good go. Maybe in a way, uh, a trip out at Wembley for a semi-final. If we lose, so be it. at least we've given it a good go. You know what I mean? Going out to, I think it was Bristol City this last season. I was just so gutted because, as you say, a a good cup run is what you want as fans, especially of Aston Villa. You're never gonna. It's highly unlikely. Let's be honest that we're gonna do a Leicester and win the league. So a good cup run is. The the minimum you want to expect as a fan yeah. of the, mm. the, especially certainly the position that we are at the minute. But um, predictions for next season, Max, what are your thoughts? Um, oh, it's such a horrible question, especially before <laughs> transfers have yeah, come in. Course, oh, you yeah. don't really know where we're going to be. But on the cup run thing, especially the hopefully the first year fans being back, it's been way too long since we've been to Wembley. It's well over a year now. And judging <laughs> on, on our, <laughs> um, so look, yeah, especially fans being back, let's go for the FA Cup. because um, I think it's been it's been far too long since we've won it. Um, but in terms of the league, look, even progressing a place, just getting to the top half, that's brilliant. And like Richard said earlier, 55 points in any other season would have probably seen you finish in the top half. Um, so it's slightly harsh on that point of view. But look, I'd, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say ninth. I'd be happy with that, most likely. Um, and then a, a comfortable uh, maybe FA Cup win. Wouldn't mind that at all. But yeah, I'll, I'll put my, <laughs> put my uh, bets on ninth for next season. Luke, what about you, mate? Well, to be honest, I don't think there's a there's a base that hasn't been covered there. To be honest, but I, I'm with Neil. I think uh, progression definitely. Obviously, a cup would be a dream. You know, we were so close to win the Carabao Cup last season. So you know, obviously heartbreak. So another cup run would be nice. But I, I'm just you know slow and steady progression wins the race. Top half anywhere in the top half would be nice next season. Uh, yeah, we should go for that. Richard, go full circle, mate. Yeah, I, I think. Everyone's covered it. I think two the signings is key. You know, two or three quality signings. Uh, I think Perslow mentioned that, he, you know, we weren't going to go crazy in the transfer market. So two or three quality signings, one or two sort of hidden gems that, you know, sort of Neil's mentioned with the scouting network. And then more more from the younger players, I think, you know, we, we can expect more from the the youngsters coming through, particularly Carney and potentially Kane, Kessler Hayden and, and players like that. And, 
if we can if we can get six or seven points added on to 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 this season's total that that would be that would be phenomenal i think you know the the this season has been so strange and as i've mentioned about the points total and i think there's going to be more draws next season you know there's been so many mm-hmm. wins or losses and so few draws this season and i think that's going to be something that's going to affect it so yeah if we could get if we could get another six or seven points added onto that total who knows mm-hmm. that could that could be good enough to get us six or seventh who knows yeah. but definite progress would be would be fantastic and seeing some of those young players come through would be great yeah when you met when you mentioned six or seven points there it just brings me back to the Sheffield United away <laughs> Crystal Palace away Burnley oh, away Burnley games yeah. I know I know it, I was, know. it was there it, it was there but I just you win, you win those though and you then you don't beat you don't beat the Arsenal's or the Leicester's yeah. or the, the you know or the uh, Liverpool's so yeah, you know, it's it, it is it's so that is the frustration, isn't it? That is the frustration, unfortunately. Yeah. One thing next season as well is I'd like us to beat our bogey team, Man United. I would really love us to see see us do them at Villa Park. <laughs> it's been way too long, but oh, anyway, that's I'm going to wrap it up there. I think we've got more than enough spoken about there. It's been a pleasure to all have you on. Thank you for coming on, each and every one of you. Um, as the listeners know, we are sponsored by Manscaped. So if you would like to go over to manscaped.com and use the discount code SCREAMERS20, you'll get yourself 20% off plus free shipping on your order. But other than that, that is it. Thank you for listening and cheery bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.